Good morning. How are all you guys doing today? Wow, what a responsive crowd. This is wonderful. I was real worried that we were going to just be staring at blank faces at each other, which would have been pleasant enough, but this is much, much better. My name is Scott. I'm one of the staff pastors here, in case you guys don't know who I am. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for that rousing half applause. That's very encouraging. <laughs> no, stop, stop. Uh, it always means more when it's prompted. But uh, one of my jobs here is I'm actually, um, I actually go out to the Kahala campus every Sunday, so normally I'm out there. So it's a real treat to be here this morning with you guys, especially, again, because you guys are so awake and alert and energetic at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> it took me a long time to get myself going this morning, but I'm glad I'm here as well. I'm glad that I get to share God's message with you. Uh, before we do get started, though, I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about what's happening in my life. You guys want to? You guys want to hear? So, if you don't know who I am, bear with me. If uh, by the end of this, we'll all be close friends and we'll all know each other. But last month, we had a baby, my wife and I. And I want to share some pictures because I think she's real cute. So I brought some pictures of my family. And if we could get those up here. That's my older daughter, Casey, and our newborn, her name is Taylor. She'll be a month old tomorrow. So uh, we, have, we have more pictures. Don't worry, the cute factor goes up. <laughs> here she is again. That's, uh, she was born at 11 pounds. No, not 11 pounds, sorry, <laughs> 8 pounds. 8 pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches. Uh, we can get the next one. Here she is with her eyes open. And then the last one is, is our family here. Maybe there's only three. Only three? Oh, okay. Never mind then. You guys missed the most incredible, beautiful picture because I'm in it. <laughs> but anyway, that's my daughter, uh, Taylor. We're real thrilled to have her. She's one of the great sources that keeps me awake at night. And so if I'm, if I'm feeling a little loopy, you guys will know why. Although, it's, to be full disclosure, I don't actually do anything at night other than just nudge my wife and say, hey, <laughs> the baby needs you. <laughs> And so that, that's, it's not like I have to stay awake for long hours or anything. Mostly I just do that and then turn over and fall asleep. But anyway, last week we were talking about authority, right? And authority is always a real, real fun topic to talk about. Except, how many of you guys actually walked out of here feeling strengthened and encouraged based on what we talked about last week? Yeah, awesome. I mean, that was the whole point. The whole point wasn't to, to bring this message that says, God is our authority and he's going to rule us with an iron thumb. The, the message that we had was, God's our authority, and he's given us that authority to go out and change somebody's life. Right? He's gone and, and given us the power, Pastor Carl said, that our job, to, or what we need to do with our authority is bring out his best in other people. And so the question that we did ask this morning was, how many of you guys did strengthen someone last week? I know Pastor Carl kind of made a big point about, hey, that's what, that's what we should be doing, is building somebody up, not tearing somebody down. Because as we all know, there's, there's a certain set of rules that God gives us to live by, and it's real easy to tear people down using those rules, right? You know, the, the Bible tells us that the word is a double-edged sword, and, you know, it, it goes both ways. You can use it to build people up. You can, use, you, know, you can use it to cut people down. And so our job is not to cut people down. Rather, our job is to continue to build them up. So the question is then, <clears throat> who did you guys strengthen? Who needed to hear a word or a message that you were able to deliver? 
Anybody got any just examples that when you guys are talking amongst yourselves? Yeah, Paul. Awesome. He said he strengthened his Christian boss and his, his Christian boss strengthened him. And a lot of times that's how it works, right? When you're in fellowship and when, you're, when you have good relationships with people, it goes both ways. It's not just a one-way street. Sometimes, you know, both of you guys get strengthened. Excellent. Anybody else? Well, great. Let's pray. We'll be on our way. <clears throat> Thanks for the... You know, I mean, the, the truth is, I know you guys have, I heard people talking, so I know people are doing, you guys are just a little embarrassed or scared or, or timid because Paul gave such a great answer and you're like, how can I top that? But it's okay, it's okay. You know, how many of you guys this week strengthened a stranger? Someone you didn't know? That's always, that's, that's, that's really hard, right? It's always a little touch and go. You never know what they're thinking, right? You can't just go up to someone and go, wow, you look great today. I mean, you could, but you never know how it's going to be received, right? But the truth is, when we have Jesus in us, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, everything that comes out of our mouth should be uplifting and encouraging. Amen? Amen. And so we should, be, we should be strengthening strangers all the time, as well as our friends, of course. But really, when you're connected to God, it shouldn't be a struggle to continue to just constantly just speak life into other people, speak life into situations, speak life into your surroundings. You know, um, the, the biggest part of this is that the Bible calls us Christ ambassadors. And an ambassador is someone who speaks on behalf of, right? Who's, who has the authority, who's, who's given a delegation to speak on the behalf of. And as Christ ambassadors, everything that comes out of our mouth should be speaking about Christ, should be pointing toward him, should be letting people know that, hey, there's a God out there that doesn't want to judge you. There's a God out there that loves you. There's a God out there that cares about you, that forgives your sins, that wants you to walk feeling guilt-free. Amen? Amen? And so as we go along, here's, here's what I want us to get out of this message today is that our authority is based on God. Pastor Tom said it earlier in his prayer today, right? It doesn't matter how we feel. God doesn't change. It doesn't matter if we're having a good day or a bad day. Our authority doesn't change because our authority is not based on a feeling. Our authority is based on Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And so as we're, as we're going through the message today, I kind of want to just talk about, about that and about, you know, we have this right, this God-given authority, to do good things in the name of Jesus. You know, when I got married... <clears throat> when I got married to, to Kea, we've been married for about a little over five years now. She took my name. Not Scott, she took my last name, Sunaoka. Right, so now she's Kea Sunaoka. She left her old name behind, and she took my name. Well, how many of you guys know that? When she takes my name, that means something, you know? I mean, she has all the rights to the Sunaoka riches. <laughs> which, you guys laugh, but... <laughs> Really what it means is, you know, I gave her a key to my house, my car. I'm like, yeah, go at it. <laughs> Here, you can finally get in on your own. But the truth is, right, when, when we got married, what, what I had became hers and, and, you know, we shared everything. And similarly, when you become a Christian, when you become a member of God's family, you get the right to use the name of Jesus. Right, you become, you know, the, Jesus calls the church his bride. You get to be a part of that. And if you think that's not a big deal, that's huge. I mean, this is God... The creator of the universe says, hey, use my name to do good things. And so, and so, you know, if you think about it, I mean, if you can wrap your head around it, I mean, the name of Jesus is the biggest name out there, right? The Bible says that at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so when you get to use the name of Jesus, that means something. In the book of, uh, I think it's Luke, 
And Jesus sends out his 70 or 72 disciples. And they come back and they're like, yeah, Jesus, we did all these great things. Even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. Now check that out. That's something, that's something spectacular. At the name of Jesus, even the demons obeyed, it says. And so what that tells me is that there's probably other things that obeyed that all the way up to even demons obeyed the name of Jesus. And, and check this out because it's kind of cool. If the name of Jesus does that before he sent us the Holy Spirit, how much more will it do after we have the Holy Spirit? Because at that time, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out upon everybody like it is now, or like he is now, excuse me. Rather, what he's saying is, is back then, they, all they had was the name of Jesus. That's all they could use. And they used it, and it worked. How, mu- how many of us are using the name of Jesus? How many of us have come to that, that realization that, hey, we have this greater power behind us. All we got to just call upon the name of the Lord. That's kind of deep, yeah? It's kind of heavy. Right? If you know, you know, if you know any police officers... You know, they have a certain authority that their badge gives them, that their uniform gives them, that their status gives them. Uh, one of my good friends is a police officer, and, and I got to go on a ride-along with him. Did you guys know they have a ride-along program? It's very fun and exciting. Like, you get to ride along and see what they do. And so he has the town district, and we're driving around at night, and, and I got to see him get out of his car, and, and we're, like, chasing perps down. It was real exciting. They make you sign all these papers that say, like, when the officer says, stay in the car, stay in the car, right? Because... You know, they don't want you to get shot and then sue the city or something. So I missed all the real exciting things because I had to just like watch from the dashboard. <clears throat> but in one case, you know, he's like, he's telling this guy, sit down, sit down. This guy's like, what, why? You know, he's like, sit down. And then he pulls out his taser and I was really excited. I thought someone was going to get tased, but they didn't. He, you know, they, he just threw him on the ground and he's like, I told you, sit down or whatever. <clears throat> but there's a certain authority that comes with that badge. And then to back it up, he had a taser or he had a, he had a gun or he had some kind of use of force that would back up his authority. The name of Jesus is, is our badge, and the use of a gun or whatever is the Holy Spirit. Like, we have the power to back it up. It's not just we have the name that we can use. God has also given us the power to back it up. Anyway, it turned out that there was the wrong guy, and we apologized when we went on. And <laughs> sorry. <laughs> carry on, carry on. Um, but it was, I think it was like a, it was like a stabbing suspect. So it was, I mean, it was a pretty big deal. It wasn't just like this guy was jaywalking and we caught the wrong guy. You know, I mean, it was somebody, somebody criminal, something happening. But as we, as we, as we think about it this, this morning, you have to think about it from that angle. Think about it from the angle as we have the badge and the gun. So that when, you're, when we're listening to this and we're taking it all in, you know, I don't want you to think like, oh, that's great, that's for Joe Christian over there, for that, that's for a pastor over there, or that's for someone holy over there. If you just became a Christian today, you have the access to that authority. And so with that, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're just going to talk a little bit about what we're going to continue on where we talked last week about using the authority. We're going to continue on. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We're going to pick up and it says, We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Okay, so Paul is saying, we're within our rights to come in and write to you and come and talk to you. And the whole key to understanding this scripture is to, is to understand who it was being written to. Paul is writing to a church that he went to go help start. 
That's, that's the thing that you have to understand. And so when you read this, you know, it seems like, what is Paul saying? Like, you know, we have this authority over you. You know, we help start this out. You know, we want to only operate within the boundaries that God has given us and not operate outside of it. But you have to understand, he helped start this church, and so now he's writing this letter back to them and saying, hey, we have every right to come in there <clears throat> because, because we helped start you. We, we've, God has given us this authority over you. And so the point to be thinking about is God has given uh, Paul this authority in this church, but Paul doesn't necessarily have authority in every single church. Right? And so similarly, God has given all of us very specific boundaries. Right? God has placed us in certain situations. God has placed us in certain homes. God has placed us in certain jobs. And he's given us authority in these places, but that doesn't mean that we can just go run everywhere and just do anything we want to do based on the authority that God has given us. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so... When I first got hired here as a pastor, one of my jobs was I did college and singles and kind of young, young singles. And, and you know, if you're single, um, this is no way. I'll just say my story. <laughs> <clears throat> it might be easier. But I was working with singles, and, and I was on the job for a few years, and, and some of these, these single people started coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I really feel like there's nobody left in this church for me to date or for me to look at. You know, like the pool has has shrunk in for whatever reason. Either I've dated someone and it didn't work out well, and so now I feel like I can't date anybody in the church. Um, and so, you know, these are kind of things that singles pastors deal with all the time because people really get like, I really want to get married, but everyone at this church is ugly or whatever it is, right? <laughs> and the truth is, everyone at every church looks the same to me. I mean, it's not like that's the good-looking church over there or that's the fun church over there. Actually, I think we're the good-looking fun church, yeah? Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Pastor Tom met his wife in our singles ministry. I met mine, so... We're big believers that we're the good-looking church. <clears throat> but anyway, so they said, why don't we, why don't we try and like, invite other singles ministries from around the island to you know, go do something together so that we can expand our pool? Right? And that, that's a good thought. I mean, it's a, it's a nice, wonderful thing to do. And so I met with, with um, some other pastors of other singles ministries and I said, hey, why don't, you know, why don't we do like a camp or a, a weekend retreat? We'll get together, you know. Um, camps are always great because it gets to show people how holy you are. Like, yes, look at me. I love Jesus. I'm marriable or whatever. <laughs> and so I was talking to different pastors and, and we went out and, and they're like, yeah, that sounds great. Why don't we do this? You know, we'll all chip in however we can. And, and actually, I built a lot of great friendships from that retreat. And, I, you know, there's a lot of people I still talk to today about that or from that. But I remember going to this one church and talking to God and I said, hey, you know, we want to do this thing. And, and, uh, this is, this is what our goal is. And our goal wasn't to get people married. Our goal was just to, you know, I mean, number one was about Jesus. And then number two was just, let's just meet other people so we can strengthen each other up. When we go to different things, we can see each other. <clears throat> and so he, he just goes, he thinks about it kind of a long time. And he just comes back and he goes, yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to do a camp unless it's super deep. And I said, well, like, what does that mean? He's like, we got to go deep. And I go, well, that's... I think that's great, but what, I don't understand what super deep means. Like, how do you, how do you quantify that? And he goes, yeah, you know, like, we should just be worshiping God the whole time. And I'm like, that's super awesome, right? I mean, that's, there's, nobody's going to say that's a bad idea, because that's a great idea. So he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll do your camp, but this is what I want to do. And then he kind of spells out his plans for getting everyone to go super deep. <clears throat> Here's the thing. That's a great idea. In fact, that's a wonderful idea, and he should do a camp like that. But he was outside of his boundaries because he wasn't in charge of that camp. Does that make sense? And so, you know, we look at other people and, and sometimes we look at what they're doing with these judgmental eyes that go like, oh yeah, they should be doing this because we're doing this. Or, or 
this should be happening because that'll make us more spiritual or whatever. And I believe wholeheartedly that he was very sincere. And I think it's a wonderful, great thing. I don't, I'm not at all trying to speak badly about him. But I believe that God has put different things on our heart for a different reason. And God has given us different places to go to for a different reason. And God has given us specific boundaries that we operate in because sometimes we're the only people that can operate within that boundary. Sometimes, you know, there's places, I'm sure, that if you go to and you brought the name of Jesus, you'd be cursed immediately. What? I don't want to hear that from you. You don't know me. You don't know what's going on. I have family members like that, right? They know I'm a pastor. They know I go to church. Sometimes it gets real awkward because they don't go to church and family gatherings can be a little awkward. Um, not that we hate each other, but they're living by different rules. Does that make sense? And so there are certain places that you can go to that I can't go to, that you'll be able to share the love of Jesus just because you're connected to him that I won't have a chance to do. And, and you know, have you, have you guys ever been at Starbucks and like reading your Bible or doing a mini church or doing a Bible study there and people come up to you and they kind of go like, oh, what church do you go to? And so you tell them and they're like, oh, that's a good church, but this is what they do wrong. And then they start telling you what you do wrong. Has anybody? Uh, yeah, it's, it's real awkward, yeah, because you go like, uh, I'm just trying to read the Bible or I'm just, you know, we're just trying to have mini church. But people have these different um, theologies, you know, and so they go, oh, this is, this is the correct theology. Your theology is way out there. <clears throat> and for whatever reason. And, and, and what happens? If that happens to you, what happens? Don't you feel like a little... Like, at first, do you feel like, you're right, I'm going to listen to you? Or do you feel like, who, who are you to tell me that my theology is wrong? Our pastors are the best-looking pastors around. <laughs> they must be right about something, right? <laughs> but the truth is, you know, I mean... It could be a very well-intentioned, nice man meaning to build you up. But if you operate outside of your boundaries, if you operate outside of where God called you to operate, then it can come across real wrong or real bad. Or better yet, if you guys have kids and you go to the playground, how many of you guys have ever witnessed one parent disciplining another parent's kid without their permission? Yeah, it gets super ugly. Huh? Like, feel like, what? how dare you tell my son that, right? I mean, has, have you guys ever managed that? And, and again, it's not to say that one parent has bad intentions, or is mean, or is evil, or is necessarily wrong, but a lot of times in different homes, different rules apply. You know, um, in my mom's house, for instance, you, can't, you have to wear footwear when you leave the house, right? I mean, you don't want to dirty her floors or whatever. And in my home, I'd like to adhere to that, but people don't listen to me, so I've given up. Like, or my daughter, my two-year-old, will run outside and take off her shoes halfway, and you just get tired of chasing them around, right? You're just like, ah, fine, just whatever. If you get poked in the foot, that's on you. <clears throat> but the truth is, because different little subtleties, because culturally things change, because even within the same household, sometimes rules apply differently, you've got to know where your boundaries are. If you want to be the most effective person you can be sharing the love of Jesus, you've got to know where your boundaries are. And God has given us all these specific boundaries. And I want to kind of just talk a little bit about some of your boundaries. And if you have your notes, I'm just going to give you uh, kind of like five areas that I believe should be, every, everyone should have these boundaries in their life. And... Uh, or if you want to call it a sphere of influence, everybody should have these in your life. The first one, of course, is your family. God has placed you in a, in, a, in a very specific family for a very specific reason. And some of you guys may have come from broken homes. Some of you guys have come, may have come from, from parents that don't love Jesus, that are actually anti-God and anything you coming to church. Some of you guys may be in a place where you're like, but, you know, my dad was a drunk or whatever it was. But that doesn't mean that, that you're not there and that you can't do good. My dad uh, passed away 12 years ago, I think. And he was a nice man. I mean, he was 
you know, I can't say he was a godly man, but he was a nice man. He had good values. You know, he, he cursed a lot. Um, but, you know, that was, that was most of it, I think. I think he raised me pretty good. But the truth is, you know, I, I was the one who got to pray with him to receive Christ before he died. You know, and I, and I wholeheartedly believe that God put me there for that reason. You know, I mean, again, it's not like he was a bad man or, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't evil per se, but he didn't know Jesus. He, didn't, he wasn't walking with God. And I had that opportunity because of who I was. Because he had Christian friends. It's not like he didn't know people that, you know, that knew who Jesus was or who believed in Jesus. But I think me being his son was able to do that with him. And that's one of my most absolute precious moments of my whole life is being able to pray with my dad before he passed away. And so your family is huge. Your family is, is kind of, should be your first sphere. In fact, if you have your Bibles, oh, I guess you don't have to turn there. I think we have the scripture up. But Mark 6, 1 through 4, it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. So sometimes it's real hard to get through to your family because they know you. They know what you're like. Maybe if you became, if you, if you became a Christian late in life, you know, they, they understand that, hey, that little kid over there is not trying to tell me about Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we stop trying. That doesn't mean that we give up. If I gave up on my dad who never wanted to go to church, I don't think he'd be with Jesus right now. And so even though sometimes it's difficult because people know how you used to be, the best way to combat that is to show them how Jesus has changed your life. Amen? And so family. Family is the big one. The second one, friends. Everybody should know that you're a Christian. All your friends. You have specific friends for specific reasons. I, I'm sure... Like most of you, I have my set of church friends who do churchy things with, and then I have my set of outside friends who I don't do churchy things with. Um, that sounds bad. Uh, Non-churchy things is like going to a football game. <laughs> it's not like going gallivanting <laughs> somewhere. But, but your non-Christian friends should know where you stand. They should know what's coming, where, where you're coming from. And the easiest way to check that is the fruit of the Spirit. If you have the fruit of the Spirit in you, right, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if it's coming out of you all the time, then you shouldn't even have to worry if they know you're a Christian. But the big thing is they really should know that you're a Christian without you saying anything. And, and again, this could be one of those tricky places because you go, oh, my friends knew me when I was growing up. They knew what a partyer I was. They knew what a drinker I was. They remember me at the clubs. All you got to do is show them, hey, this is how I used to be. This is how God has changed me. I may not be perfect, but God is definitely moving forward in my life. And when they see that, again, you have a voice into your friends' lives that other people won't. I mean, if you've ever been just um, like a knock on the door and, you know, it's someone trying to tell you to come to their church Easter service or whatever. Most of you guys, I don't know if you're like me, but you just take that pamphlet. You're like, thanks, you know, have a nice day. And, and you try and get them away from your house, right? How many of you guys are like that. You can raise your hands and be proud because I don't want to be the only guy who's like, <laughs> yeah, I know you're doing Jesus' work, but I'm trying to do, you know, do something. And I think, I think that's fabulous that they do that, 
but it's not really that effective because they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. How much more effective would it be if you show up at your friend's house and going, hey, I want to do this. Why don't you come along with me? Most of you guys, I would imagine, are in this room because somebody invited you. I know some people came here by either checking us out on the web or seeing road signs or Pastor Lori found us because of bumper stickers because her friends had all but given up on her and they're saying, there's no hope for Lori. <laughs> and I took a bumper sticker to get her here. But the truth is, right, I mean, we're the most effective witnesses to our friends. Just kidding, Lori. I love you. I want to build you up all the time. So, yay, praise God for bumper stickers and Pastor Lori. <laughs> but the truth is, right, our friends know you. And so you have the open path into their life. And so what are you doing with that? How are you using it? The, the third one, your neighborhood. You know, who has, where, where are you living now? And God has placed people around you that you can talk to. In my neighborhood, I'm surrounded by three uh, older couples. Like they've all been retired as long as I know. Um, so they're probably in their 80s, maybe. You know, but they're great. I, I started gardening recently, like in this last couple of years. And now it's fun to talk to them because now we talk about gardening and we talk about what's going on. And of course, invariably, it comes up, hey, what do you do for a living? Because they've all seen me grow up from a kid. I, I, I still live in the same house that I grew up in, the Sunaoka mansion that Kael has now access to. And so these, these people have all seen me. You know, now they see my kids running around the yard. And it opens doors. You know, I've, I've honestly never talked to them really until in the last couple of years. And for not any good reason other than, you know, I think our mentality is always, oh, just keep to yourself, right? Just, you know, you do your thing, let them do their thing, and you just keep to yourself. But the truth is, God has placed you there for a reason as well. And it might be to, to plant seeds. It might be to encourage. I got to pray with one of my neighbors because she was going to have our... Um, sorry, she's having like hip replacement surgery. And I got to just say, hey, can I just pray with you? And she's a Buddhist. Um, they're all, all around me, I'm pretty sure, are Buddhists. But that doesn't mean that we don't try, right? So look for those opportunities. You know, some of you walk your dogs and you pass the same path every day. You run to the same people. I, I know who walks the dogs in my neighborhood and I can talk to you and I can wave at. But the truth is we're all there for a reason, so use that reason. The fourth one is your workplace. Or if you're a student, your school. You know, you share certain things there, you share, you share a certain commonality that automatically gives you an open door. Whether it's your same job task, whether it's your same, uh, you know, same boss or your same whatever it is, God has placed you there and, and you therefore can build relationships based on where you work and it's not going to be awkward. So a good place to do, or a, a good place to, to think about starting is your workplace. And a good check to see whether or not you're sharing the love of Christ is, the good check is what, what, is, what is your reputation there? How do, how do your coworkers view you? Do they view you as positive, upbeat guy? Do they view you as Jesus guy? Do they view you as complainer? Or loner guy that just keeps his head down in his cubicle? You know, and, and what kind of image are you giving off? Are you, are you being a reflection of Jesus? That's a, that's a good check. And then the last one to write down is, is issues that we've been through in our lives. This is kind of a long one. Issues that we've been through in our lives that give us a special authority or a sphere of influence that we didn't have before. One of the biggest, easiest ways is you look for common ground, right? Whenever you go talk to people, you know, when you, when you meet brand new people, as a pastor, we meet new people all the time, and, you know, one of the first questions I always ask is, hey, you know, who's your favorite baseball team or your football team? Because I'm trying to find some kind of common ground. Sometimes life just happens. And because life happens, you have these, you have these shared experiences or you have some kind of commonality with people that, that the devil may have caused, that God may have caused that may be good or bad. You know, uh, one of my good friends, 
uh, I got to do his wedding. It was, it was like the second wedding I ever did as a pastor. But then he got a divorce shortly after, and now he gets to talk to other people that have gotten divorces. You know, it's not a good situation. It's not a good experience. He didn't want it to happen, but he has this now commonality with other people that went through divorce that he can use to, to really encourage and strengthen people and tell them, hey, there's, there's, there's something on the other side. You know, I don't know what it is in your life, but, but all of us have a unique, a unique set of experiences that, we, that I think God wants us to use to build relationships, to get into their life, to strengthen them and build them up. And then, with that being said, you know, at the beginning of verse 13, it says, we will not boast about the things done outside of our authority. Rather, in verse 15, he says, we don't, we don't boast and claim credit for someone else's work. Now, this is going to sound contradictory, but the thing I want, our next point is we want to extend our boundaries where no one has gone before. So the first part is you've got to know where you are, know where you're called, but don't just sit there, don't be comfortable there, get out and do something with it, and, and extend it, extend it, bring it out a little further. So in verse 15, it says, Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. Then no one will question our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. So Paul is writing and he's saying, hey, there's, there's other places that we still got to go. Like we want to take care of you, but we're not content to just take care of this church in Corinth. We're, we have to get Jesus' love in other places. This might ruin the, the image of what you have with me already. But, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. but I like to play board games. Anybody here like to play board games? Anybody here play Risk? The game of global domination, Risk, anyone? Basically, there's just a big map of the world and you start in these little territories and your goal is to take over every other territory and rule the world. And the, the strategy in Risk is you don't want to go too fast because if you go too fast, you spread yourself out too thin and also, if you go too fast and you get powerful too fast, everybody targets you. So you want to be strategic in how you go about expanding your territory. And I think Paul is kind of saying the same thing. Here we've got to be strategic in what we're doing. Because remember we talked about all the reasons to not go out of your boundaries and to stay within your boundaries? But here Paul is saying, if you have a strategy, if you have a thought, if, if God gives you direction, you've got to go with it. Because the truth is, there's a whole lot of people that don't know Jesus out here that need to know Jesus. You know, back in the day, um, our church is called Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay. Does anyone know what the legal name of our church is? Legal name? We're called the Windward Oahu Foursquare Church. That's our legal entity name. And, and all the Foursquare churches on the island are named very similarly. It's a geographical spot plus Foursquare Church. So I think New Hope is like Honolulu Foursquare Church or whatever. And the thought process back in the day when we named churches was that that's your territory. That's where you operate. And so if another four-square church wanted to move in, four-square being our denomination, if another four-square church wanted to move in, they had to come and talk to you and go, hey, we'd like to start a church here. And if you think about it, that's a real backward way of thinking, right? Because we're saying, we're going to stake out this territory and it's ours to do something with. Rather, we should all be thinking, where can we go that will be the most effective? In Kahala, where I go every Sunday, and I'm going to head there after here, we have three churches within like a thousand yards of each other. We have us, and New Hope Diamond Head that's in Kahala Mall, both of us in Kahala Mall, and right across the street at the school is uh, Grace Bible Honolulu. And you know what? Praise God, because all of us have specific people that we can minister to, and, and they can call their church. But really, our thought has to be, where can we go that, that other people aren't going? And sometimes, it's not someplace far away. Sometimes, it's in your own community. You know, in a, in a, 
in a community of Kaneohe size, and I think there's, what, 30 or 40,000 people that live here, maybe, you know, we get 2,200 that come here on a weekend, you know, maybe New Hope down the street gets 1,000, and First Press gets 1,500. Whatever it is, I mean, even if we all got 2,000 on a weekend, that's still like 24,000 people that, that we don't know that go to church or not. I mean, they might go to a smaller church and praise God for that as well. But really, maybe expanding your territory just means expanding something in your hometown. Does that make sense? You know, it might be expanding your territory, might be at your workplace talking to that guy that nobody else talks to, the guy that is a loner, the guy that no one else is reaching out to, because somebody has to be assigned there. Somebody got to be, gotta be thinking about that guy. You know, we do missions all over the world, and we have a mission team in Africa right now, we have a mission team in Japan right now, and praise God for that. And that's wonderful, I think we should be doing those kind of things, but we also can't lose sight of what's around us. One of the things, um, this last summer, we sent a team down to, to the Sendai area to, to minister to the people down there. And you know what? We've, for the longest time as a church, we've, we've basically stayed in the same areas. We've stayed in the Tokyo area, we stayed in the Kansai area. I've been going to Sapporo for the last seven years or so. But really, because of this whole tsunami thing, it opened up a new area for us to go to, an area that we never got to go to before. And what I want to do is I want to show you a quick recap of uh, Pastor Rob, and he took a team down there. So why don't you guys take a look. time going to Sendai, the Tohoku region of Japan, where it was just devastated by the earthquake and tsunami last year. And of course, we went to see our 12 students that came here last year to go encourage them, to strengthen them, to really just love on them in their world. And it was just an exciting time. And we also were, of course, able to help the homeowners in that area and, and clean up their houses. I got the opportunity to help put on a festival that was put on for the, the town of Watanoha. And it was a pretty hard hit town. And just, just having an opportunity to provide like a, just kind of a festival for people to go to and just receive hope. And there was worship music and food and people from all over the community just came and showed up to just experience God's love as we were just worshiping together. Christianity is just religion and then religion is not good. This is a phrase that I used to hear from Japanese people. And I was pretty nervous and uh, I was afraid of going back to Japan as a part of a uh, mission team. But God encouraged me and gave me strength so I could share my testimony at the festival and then I could talk uh, about God with my friends. So it was a pretty good experience for me. One of the women that we spoke to um, that we worked with knew Japanese a little better and she was kind of interpreting for us for one of the families whose homes we worked on and the woman whose home we worked on told her you know a lot of people have come to help in Japan after the tsunami but a lot of them have also left by now which was over a year after the disaster and um, but the Christians have kind of stuck around. And she was pretty impressed by that. So she told our fellow Mud Out volunteer, you know, maybe I should find out more about your God. 
and that's really fulfilling to know that they see not just that we want to help them because we care about them, but we want to help them because God sent us to work there. I think that's like the biggest thing I took away from it was really just um, like building those connections and like using Jesus' love to like bridge the relationships and the friendships that I made. And it was super cool because we got to um, hook up with Samaritan's Purse and we actually went to um, like Sendai and Ishinomaki area where the tsunami and the earthquake happened. And it's still really bad, even though it's been like a year, but um, it was really awesome to be able to work with people from like all over the world and um, just to experience like the whole like family feel and stuff together and like rebuilding houses and just getting to know some of the homeowners and hearing their stories. It was, it was a blessing and it was a, a really good experience. And God definitely showed me love between like people from just all over, like just coming together to serve Him. I got to help out in the Sendai area, the tsunami area that was hit pretty bad. Um, we got to see the homeowners up close and personal. We got to pray with them every day in the beginning of every day and the end of every day. And we just showed them God's love. We just went in there and dug dug dirt from underneath their houses and um, just tore down uh, plaster from the walls and took out nails and just did the grunt work stuff. But we prayed for them the whole step of the way. And you know, it's an amazing thing about Japan right now. It used to be very close to the gospel, but now it is wide open. The churches are thriving. People are open to hearing about Jesus and his transforming power. And we saw that live in the living color while we were there. It was an exciting time. I just want to encourage you that if you ever want to go to Japan or ever go on any mission trip, that you should take the step of faith because you will be forever changed, and that's the truth. Pretty cool, huh? I think the most uh, telling statement of that whole video is when Chrissy said, you know, we're not going there just to do Jesus' work. We're going there because he sent us there. And so the question for us today as we walk out of here is where is Jesus sending us? Is it within our territories? Is it, is it outside of our territories? You know, it's probably a little bit of both. You probably can even now just start, names are popping into, into your head thinking, oh, these are people I can talk to. These are people I have influence over. You know, a while back, that, um, that prayer of Jabez was real, you know, was real popular and famous, and they wrote books about it and stuff. And it's taken from 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. And it just talks about this... Ma- it's, I mean, if you read through 1 Chronicles not, or 4, excuse me, it's just kind of like this list of names of people that, that they're talking about who was there at the time. And then it just says this about Jabez. It says that he was a good man, and he said this prayer. And his prayer is, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause, evil, or that I may not cause pain. And it just says, and God answered his prayer. And I think as we walk out of here, that's one of our big prayers. God, that, that you would let me be an example, that you would enlarge my territory, that where I'm at now, I may be doing a great work in your name, but I can do more. And remember, you know, it's not about how you feel. Remember, God has given us that authority. God is, God is God regardless of how I feel, regardless of how I look, regardless of anything else. God has given us that authority to go out and use his name and change climates. And I just want to wrap up with this point. It says in verse 17, 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. And that's the truth. If you're going to boast, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. It's all about what the Lord has done. Don't worry about looking good. Don't worry if anyone notices you, because it's not about you anyway. Our goal is to see people in heaven. Amen? Our goal is to see lives changed and transformed. Our goal is to set people free. You know, again, you can probably just think of people in your life that you know, like, man, they always walk around depressed. Man, they're always complaining. Man, I feel so bummed for them. They're filling their lives with whatever it is. You know, when I, was, I used to work in Waikiki in a travel agency for 13 years, and, you know, like, I'd get bummed when I'd come off the weekend and people are like, oh, yeah, I got so wasted and so drunk that I'd pass out and whatever. And I'd be like, man, there's so much more for you than that. You know, that's just, that's just hiding hurts. Or maybe you think you're having a good time now, but really, you know, what are you, fill up with, with something better, with a, with a living water, with a, with a joy and a love that's not going to end. You know, and you guys all know people like that, I'm sure. You know, whether they're your friends or your family, or they're just in places that, that you know that they're there. Maybe you're not even good friends with them, your acquaintances. You notice the same person going to Starbucks every day, feeling bummed or whatever, you know? And God's saying, hey, I might be sending you to them. And so as we walk out of here, you know, if we're doing it for Jesus, if we're doing it for the Lord, you know, if any man boasts, let him boast about the Lord. If we do that, if that's our motive, like Jabez, right? His, motive, his motive wasn't to, to enlarge his territory so he could be rich. You know, he says that, keep your hand on me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. What a great prayer that, that let me be an uplifting person. Let me be a person that spreads joy. If we walk out of there doing that, we're going to have a real good, one, reputation. Two, you're going to be doing great things for Jesus. Three, you're going to see people in heaven that you had no idea that you even touched. You know, Pastor Carl said that last week, and I'll just end with this. He said, in a room like this, you know, there are pastors in here that don't have the title. There are evangelists in here that don't have the title. There are mentors in here that don't have the title. You just don't know it because other people have been watching you, and you might have been doing it all along. And don't worry if, if that's you and you're feeling like, but no one knows what I'm doing. God will take care of you. With that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Father, I thank you so much for this authority that you've given us to do good works. Father, that you've given us your name, you've given us your Holy Spirit, that we may build people up, that we may encourage them. Father, that we might even be able to rescue people literally from the jaws of death. And Father, I thank you for placing all of us in very specific places that we have influence. Father, that, that, that our, our, our boundaries that, that you have given us, that, that are unique to us. And Father, I also pray that, that as we're just sitting here praying, that you would Help us to enlarge it. You'd help us to, to take it outside of that. Father, that you, would, that you would make it really clear who our assignments are, where we need to go, when we need to go, the words that they need to hear. Father, I pray that as we grow in our walk with you, that we would constantly be filled by your Holy Spirit, that, that the fruit of the Spirit would grow upon us and that everything that comes out of our mouth would be life. And Father, I pray that as we walk out of here today, that already that you can put names into our heads, Father, that you would give us those divine appointments, those chance encounters that we can't explain. And Father, that you would allow us to, to build people up and speak life into them. We really believe that we have the greatest gift we have to offer. And so, Father, let us not be selfish with it. Let us not be timid with it. Let us not give in to any kind of fear or uncertainty, but rather we're giving them the best thing ever, and that's your son and a relationship with you. And we thank you so much. 